Church, you ready for the Word of God? Yeah? We just finished our first Peter series, and we're going into the next series, which is the Revival series. And today we're going to talk about a special topic that is going to help us to bridge into that new series. And that is the topic of prayer. The topic of prayer. So today we're going to cover a message that is titled, How to Pray for Breakthrough. How to Pray for Breakthrough. There's a story of a pastor who went for a hike. He drove up to the hills and then he went for a hike all by himself. So he was walking, 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 and it was all going fine and dandy until about halfway through the hike, he made a turn around a big bush. And as he turned around to the bush, he saw a new trail, and about 20 meters down that trail was a big brown grizzly bear. And the bear stared at him, and he stared at the bear. And at this point of time, he was frozen, paralyzed, and he didn't know what to do. All of a sudden, the bear looked at him and let out a big growl, and was getting ready to charge at the pastor. So the pastor did what he knows best. He got desperate, he got down on his knees, and he prayed, Father God, please let this bear be a Christian. (laughs) I don't know what kind of miracle he was praying for. Maybe he was praying for Christian love, brotherly love. I don't know what it is. But he said, God, please let this bear be a Christian. And in an amazing miracle, the bear was converted instantly. (laughs) And the bear stopped in his tracks, put his paws together, looked up to heaven and said, Thank you, Father for this meal I'm about to eat. (laughs) The point of this story is not whether, you know, bears can be Christian or, you know, if bears go to heaven. The point of this story is that all of us at some point in our lives, we need a breakthrough. Maybe some of us are at that point in our life right now where you are facing a big problem and you're praying and you're, you're really needing God's help to come and intervene into your situation. How do we pray for breakthrough? Where do we start? What does the Bible say about it? Today, we're going to turn to a specific part of the Bible that's going to give us some insight as to how we can pray for our breakthrough. So let's turn to our Bibles today. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 to 12. This was inspired by a devotion that Pastor Benny shared with us in the staff team a few months ago, and I thought it would be great to unpack it for you guys. So 20, chapter 20, verse 1 to 12 of 2 Chronicles, and I'll read for us. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Maonites, came against Jehoshaphat, the king, for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they're in Hazazon Tamar, that is Iron Gedi, some of you who have been to Jerusalem, is next to the Dead Sea. And then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, in the temple, before the new court, and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house, that is the temple, and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear 
and safe. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you will not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, would you unpack for us the power of prayer? Would you unpack for us the steps, the principles behind how we can pray for your hand and your power to move mightily in our situation, in our city right now? In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say, Amen. The first two verses gives us the background to King Jehoshaphat's prayer, the prayer of breakthrough. In that moment, Judah was a small nation with a big problem. The Bible says that the, the, the people of Moab and Ammon and, and, and Meunite, not, not Man United, okay, it's Meunites, uh, was more than six times, it's actually more than six times the size of Judah. This combined army is 1v6 if you were to fight this army. So it's a real big problem. The, the Bible describes their army as a Rab Hamon in Hebrew, which literally means a great multitude. So Judah really needed a great miracle. They needed a big breakthrough. Maybe that describes some of our situation today. But what does King Jehoshaphat do? Listen to what the Bible says in verse 3 and onwards. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. Instead of calling Judah together, the army of Judah together, and giving them a pep talk, he called them together to pray. You know what he could have done? He could have asked all of them, come on guys. All of us are gonna pick up the arms. Uh, you got your left arm and your right arm. You're gonna pick up one sword. At least when you got two swords on your hands, you can cut down two people at the same time. We're all gonna be putting our chariots together. We're gonna fight in formation. You're gonna flank from the left. You're gonna flank from the right. You're gonna go from the middle. We're gonna wait till the sun rises and the light shines from behind us so they'll be blind and then we can attack them. This is the strategy for how we can win. Instead of giving them a pep talk, he called them together for prayer. Let me ask you a question. What is your first response when you face a problem? What is your first response when you face a problem? There is another story of a ship that was sailing through a storm. And halfway through that, that storm, the captain realized that the ship was going to sink in a matter of minutes. So he called all his crew together. Come on guys, let's gather at the deck. And then he asked this question, who amongst you know how to pray? A man stepped forward and he said, I, Captain, I know how to pray. Good, said the captain. You continue praying while the rest of us put on our life jacket. We're short of one. <laughs> that is not how God wants us to respond. He doesn't want us to respond in prayer only in the last minute. Prayer should, not, should be our first response and not our last resort. Prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. But even then, how do we pray? How do we pray for breakthroughs? And in this passage, we're going to unpack three things that we can do to pray for our breakthroughs. In verse 6, it says this, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. 
In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Jehoshaphat started his prayer by declaring God's unchanging character. Are you not like that, God? Church, the first thing we can do when we pray for breakthrough is to declare God's character. Declare God's character. That's number one. Why do we do that? And it's certainly not to remind God, hey God, you said you are love. Hey God, you said that you're powerful. Hey God, you said that you'll provide. And God goes like, oh yeah, thanks for reminding me. That's not the reason why we do so. The reason why we do so is because when we do that, when we declare God's character, even though it doesn't do anything to God, it does something to us. It helps us to see our problems and to see God at work. Did you know that in this Bible, out of the 151 Psalms in the Bible, 67 of them, about 45% of that, are Psalms written because of problems. They're called Psalms of Lament. And all these Psalms of Lament, 100%, all of them all mention God's character in the midst of problem. There is a strong correlation between our problems and God's character. And here's the point. God wants us to declare His character over our problems. He wants us to declare His character over our problems. Why is this important? Thanks, Aaron. I want to show you guys something. The reason why it's important to declare God's character in the midst of our problems is because sometimes our problems are so big and so overwhelming that they cover everything that we see in our life. And our eyes have become so fixated around them that all we see in life, all we do in life, all we say to other people, all the thoughts that are coming out of our heads is all through the lens of this big problem. People can love us, but we don't feel it. People can say nice things about us, but we don't feel better. Why is that so? Because this problem has become so overwhelming. We can't even experience God's goodness around us. You know, you can be blessed by this service, but you can still feel stressed by your problem. You can be surrounded by hundreds of people and you can still feel deeply lonely. You can hear an uplifting, hopeful message, but you can still feel hopeless. So what do we, knew, what do we need to do in those moments? What we need to do is to take a step back from our problems and take our eyes off our problems and begin to put our eyes on God. Begin to put our eyes on God's character, who He is, His unchanging nature. That's what we need to do. We read a verse last week in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us that we can throw all our anxieties onto God because He cares about us. I'm about to throw my problem. Who wants to catch my problem? Anyone? Right there? You sure? You sure? Oh, okay, okay. Safe bet, safe bet. I tried throwing this on Friday and it could not go straight. So I don't want to hit anybody's head, but I'll, I'll throw it. You ready? Can you stand up? All right. You ready for, uh, guys around, you might want to cover your face just in case it hits you. You got it? Oh, good catch. Nice try. When we throw our problems to God, it doesn't seem so big anymore, does it? In fact, I can't even see it. Are you keeping it? You can keep it. You can keep it. It's a gift from me. There's a secret message on there. You'll find out eventually. So when I throw my problems away, it no longer colors the way I see everything. 
That's what Jehoshaphat did. That's exactly what he did. When he saw the problem, he was afraid. The Bible says he was scared. But then when he turned to God, and the first thing he did was to pray to God, and he declared, God, are you not like that? You are the God of heaven. And after that, Jehoshaphat never became afraid again. He was never afraid for the same problem. You never read that he was afraid. Instead, Jehoshaphat sang. He worshipped. He praised God. How is it that he's able to go from worrying to worshipping? How did he do so? It's because the problem that once seemed so big now seems so small before God. That's what he did. So brothers and sisters, here is the biblical truth. Declaring, God's, uh, declaring how big our God really is helps us discover how small our problems really are. How many of you can say a good amen to that? I want you to notice also the character of God that Jehoshaphat declared. He said this effectively. He said, God, you are in heaven. God, you rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. God, all power and might are in your hand. God, no one can stand against you. You see, Jehoshaphat had a military problem that needed a military solution. So what did he declare about God? He declared about God's power. He declared about God's sovereignty over his situation. What kind of setback are you facing right now? What kind of breakthrough do you need in your life right now? You can start declaring and praying God's character over it. If you are facing a health setback, you can declare, God, you are my healer, Exodus. If it's a financial setback, declare, God, you are my provider, Genesis. If it's an emotional setback, Declare, God, you are my comforter, 2 Corinthians. If, you, if it's a relational setback, say, God, you are my mediator, Ephesians. If it's a setback in your studies, you can declare, God, you are my wisdom, you're my understanding, Proverbs. If it's a setback in your business, you can declare, God, you are my success giver, Psalms 90. And church, what we have done this week is that we, 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 we found and we compiled, or we, we found actually, 30 characters of God that you can pray over for the next few days. And you can find one of the names and one of the characters of God in that, and then you can start praying for it beginning, beginning today. You can find that on FCC.live in the sermon notes. Today only, actually this week only, FCC.live in the sermon notes, and you can download the PDF. It's from the Navigators Ministry, amazing ministry and 30 names of God that you can pray, 30 characters of God that you can pray over your situation. Amen. So the first thing we do, declare God's character. The second thing is found in verse 7 and 9. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and they've built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, the judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. The second thing that Jehoshaphat does is to call out God's promises to his people. Did you not do this? Did you not say this? So church, the second step that we can do in praying for our breakthrough is to remember God's promises. Remember God's promises. So Jehoshaphat recalls God's track record. God, did you not defeat our enemies before? Yes, he did. 
And then he goes on to say, God, did you not promise that you will help and hear and save us? Yes, he did. And God's promise is specifically found in 2 Chronicles 7, 14 to 15. Famous verse. Actually, we've been praying this for the last two years while we had COVID, but this is the actual context. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. That is the temple, the house of God. So what Jehoshaphat does is to replay God's promise. He replay God's words to him and say, God, didn't you say this? God, you promised this. He's asking God to make good his promises. God, you've promised this before. God, you've done this before, so do it again. That's what he's saying. Can I have my second? Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. I have with me... Whoa. Let me fix it up a little bit. There you go. I have with me right here in my hand a printed copy of an IPO prospectus. IPO is initial public offering. So it's when a company, basically when a company wants to sell you its shares, it'll tell you all the things about what the company is doing, its financial statements, so that it can try to convince you to, share its, uh, sell, uh, to buy its shares. So this is 130 pages printed on recycled paper. So I tried to save, save the earth. It's printed on recycled paper. Um, it's a real riveting read for the nighttime. It's a real page turner. But somewhere in here, on page 40, is a line that says, past performance is no guarantee of future performance. Past performance is no guarantee of future performance. You see, you'll find this fine print disclaimer in every single person or every single time where they will try to sell you a shares or to the stock, you know, on the market. Because all investment managers know that share prices can go up, share prices can go down. It is unpredictable. It is unreliable. Past performance is no guarantee of future performance. But not so with the God of the Word. You will be hard-pressed to find a line in the Bible that will say, God done this before, but there's no guarantee that He can do it again. You will be hard-pressed to find that God said this before and there's no guarantee that He will actually do it. For God, for a God of the Bible, past performance is a guarantee of future performance. He is a God that is unchanging. He is a God that was the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says that He says what He will do, and He will do what He says. If God has done it before, He will do it again. If God has promised it, He will do it. You can rely on Him. You can trust Him. You can believe on Him. You can count on Him. You can bet on Him. That's the kind of God of the Bible. But you know what? The Bible gives us more than 3,000 promises in His Word. 3,000. And every single one of them are applicable to those of us who believe in Jesus Christ. So if you want to see all of God's promises uh, of power, of peace, of provision, of healing, of hope come true in your life, this is the starting point. The cross of Jesus Christ. In Christ Jesus, God says all His promises are yes and amen. 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And through Him, the amen, let it be done, God, is spoken by us to the glory of God. You know, one of the most powerful things we can do to help us to grow in our spiritual life, one of the most powerful things that we can do in helping us ground ourselves in prayers of breakthrough is to memorize God's promises. Parents, one of the best things that you can do, you and I can do for our kids, is to help them to know and to remember God's promises. And I love it that our Faith Kids ministry helps, us, helps our kids to do that every single month. Every single month, there is a new memory verse that the kids can take back with them. They'll learn it, they'll memorize it, they'll get stamps and stickers for it. But that's what's so good about helping our kids to remember to ground themselves in the Word of God, in the promises of God. And you have never done that before, it's not too late to start today. God's promises are yes and amen. Isaiah 26 verse 3, it says, You keep God, you keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Do you want perfect peace in the midst of your problem? Do you want peace for your children? Hello? <laughs> this is what Pastor Benny always does, right? Hello? Yes, yes, of course. Of course, all of us want perfect peace. All of us want peace for our children. Then remember this, we receive perfect peace when our minds rest on God's promises in Christ. That's how we do it. And that's the way we do it. So first thing we do is to declare God's character. The second thing we do is to remember God's promises. Third thing, verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. The last thing Jehoshaphat does is to trust God's willingness to deal with the problem. Will you not, God? So church, the third thing we can do when we pray for breakthrough is to entrust God the problem. Give God the problem. You know, I love it what Jehoshaphat does here in verse 12. Very interesting thing that he does. He actually starts this verse by saying, Oh, our God. Oh, our God. Oh, our God. Can you see what he's doing here? No? No? It, it, is like, it is like when you and I need a special favor from our husband, our wife, our partner, our loved ones that we know we don't deserve. It is when you are being called into a late night meeting and you can't join the family for dinner and you have to say, oh, I'm so sorry, can you help to take care of the kids? It is when you forget your, your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend's birthday and you say, oh, I'm so sorry. Can you please forgive me for my forgetfulness? And in those moments, that is when all the dear, sweetheart, honey, darling, dear, baby love, lollipops, sugar bun, you know, XOXO, it all comes out, right? Some of you are looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. It's when those, in those moments where you have a special need that you say, oh, please, please, oh, dear honey bun, sugar pops. Isn't that right? We do that. Why do we do that? 
We do that because we are banking on our relationship with the person. We're trying to count on our relationship with the person. And that's what Jehoshaphat is doing here. He's trying to bank on his relationship with God. He's trying to say, oh, our God. Oh, our God. In the same way, those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we have a relationship with this God. We can bank on that relationship. Through Jesus Christ, God becomes our good heavenly Father. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. He says, this is your father that you are dealing with. And he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray simply. You don't have to go, oh, heavenly father, thou art a good God that giveth all good things to your people earth. You can give us the power to overcome this problem. You don't have to pray like that. You don't need to pray long prayers and go on and on. You don't need to have the most theologically correct, biblically correct kind of prayer. With a God who loves you and cares for you this much, you can pray simply. And that's good enough for him to hear. And then he goes on, Jehoshaphat goes on. He says, for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Earlier on in in verse 6, Jehoshaphat already said, God, in your hand, our power and might. He had already acknowledged God's unlimited power. And here, compared to God's power, he says, our power is no power at all. It's powerless. And you know what? He's absolutely right. Because brothers and sisters, when you and I acknowledge that we are powerless and God is powerful, when we acknowledge that we don't know what to do, but God knows what to do, that is when the breakthrough begins. Because we no longer depend on our own strength, but we are depending on God's strength. And the Apostle Paul knows this real well. He says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, but, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Friends, I want you to know this, that the greatest obstacle to our breakthroughs is not our weakness, but it is our delusions of strength where we think that we have got what it takes to bring us through. When we think we have the power to change things, we don't turn to God. When we think we know what to do, we won't look to God. And I'll be the first to admit, I am that kind of guy. I am the kind of guy who believes and thinks somehow that I have what it takes to do things. And my wife Vanessa knows this so well, you know. Um, Sometimes when we travel and we go on holiday to different foreign countries, and it's our first time in a city, I've never been to that place, Sometimes I get lost, as some of us do, we get lost. But you know what I do when I get lost? I will look around and try to figure out the landmarks, and I'll look at the map, I will try to figure it out all by myself. And and Vanessa will tell me, why don't you just ask that guy? He's a local, he's dressed like a local, he talks like a local, he works in that shop, he knows where the thing is. No babe, no babe, I got this. I got this. What I do, I look at the map, you know, I, I 
pull out some grass from the ground, I'll throw it into the wind and see where the wind blows. Ah, the wind blows there. I look at the sun and I'll see the angle of the sun. Ah, north is there, west is there, I think we're going there. And she'd be like, Dan, there's a counter right there. It's got a big circle with an eye on it. It's an information counter, go and ask them. No, babe, I know where the toilet is. Don't worry, I got this, I, I got to figure it out. You know, or even when I'm sick, sometimes when I'm sick, I, I can be as dead as a dog, as sick as a dog, and, and then I will still not want to see the doctor. Why don't you go and see the doctor? Just go and, go and see the doctor, they'll tell you what to do. It's covered by your medical insurance anyways, just go. No, babe, it's okay. I'll drink a lot of water, I'll lie down for a few days, and I'll be okay. I got this, I got this. The problem is, I think I know what to do. I think I have what it takes to do this. I think I don't need help. And the problem is when we treat God the same way, when we try to do it all by ourselves. You know, in John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says that apart from Him, we can do nothing. And it's not even like the antidote Jesus gives us is, let me give you a little bit of strength so you can do something. It's not even like He gives us strength, strength to do something. He says the antidote, the solution, the answer is that we remain in Him and Him in us. Trust Him for everything. That's the solution to our problems. That's how we count on God. So what should we do? We should entrust our problem to God. Entrust your problem to God. Do it on His strength rather than our own. And some of us may need to pray like Jehoshaphat did today. God, I need your help. I don't know what to do, but my eyes, they're on you. God, I, I need your help. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Maybe some of us need to pray that prayer today. So in summary, brothers and sisters, how do we pray for breakthrough? Number one, we declare God's character. Number two, we remember God's promises. Number three, we entrust God the problem. Do you know what happens when we do that? God takes charge. God takes over. God takes control. You know, after Jehoshaphat prayed that prayer, in verse 15, God spoke back to Jehoshaphat. He responded. He says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours. It is God's. Brothers and sisters, the battle is not yours. The battle belongs to God. Amen. As we close, I want to show you something. I want, to dwell, I, want, I want to land on this. I want to show you something that God showed me as I was prepping for this message. Even though the prayer that we unpack today is the prayer, is prayed by Jehoshaphat, it's actually not the prayer of Jehoshaphat. It's actually the prayer of all the people. What do I mean by that? In verse 3 to 4, look, look at it with me. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat did. Yeah, he did. But that's not where the Bible landed. That's not the full stop. It goes on to say, and Judah, the nation of Judah, the people of Judah, they assembled to seek help from the Lord. That's not the full stop yet. That's not the end of it. It says, furthermore, 
from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. You see, yes, Jehoshaphat did seek the Lord. Yes, he did pray, but it wasn't just him. It was all the people of Judah, from all the cities of Judah, coming together to seek the Lord. In other words, everyone was together praying with everyone for everyone. You see, even though some of us need a breakthrough in our lives today, today, you need a breakthrough. But you're not the only one. There are things that God is doing around us that God is calling us to, to find breakthrough, not just in our lives, but in the lives of the people around us, in the city. And when everyone begins to experience, when we pray and ask God for breakthroughs, and people after people after people after people begin to experience and encounter breakthroughs in their life, you know what that is called? That is called revival. Revival is when God is working mightily, not in individuals' lives, yours and mine, but collectively in a group, more and more people experiencing and encountering the power of God. How do we do so? It's when we pray for breakthroughs together. I'll go off script at this point because I just want to say what the Holy Spirit is inclining us to hear today. <clears throat> I, I was having a wonderful conversation with a visiting pastor on Thursday and he, he's a running pastor. He, he's, he's a pastor who runs, right? If you haven't already realized, in this world, there are two kinds of pastors. The pastor that runs and a pastor that doesn't run. I happen to be a pastor that doesn't run. So I don't know much about running. And he shared one of the things that runners look out for. There are two things that runners do when they run. Um, two places that they'll put their eyes. Two places where they look at as they're running. One is down at the feet. They look at what's going on around them because then you can see where you're actually running and at the same time, you can see how your feet are actually going. Your technique is good. Are you running on the front of your foot or the back of your foot? You can see what's going on around you. You need to pay attention to that. Yes, you do. But every good runner knows that that's not where you spend majority of your time when you're running. Every good runner knows that you spend far more time looking straight and looking ahead. Why is it so? It's so that you can see what's going on further out, so that you can keep your head straight and you can breathe, so that you can look around you and you won't run into trouble, so that you can see the obstacles, you can see the people around you, you can see what's going on. And even though he was sharing about this from a perspective of running, I felt that was such a good analogy of prayer. Because if we were to truly be God's people, then we need to keep, yes, we need to pray for our situations, our lives and what's going on around us. Yes, we need to do that. There's a place for that. And it's really important because God wants to move in our lives. This part of our life is really important. But if we really want to pray as God's people, as Jesus did, then we have to take our eyes sometimes, maybe more than sometimes, off ourselves and look ahead to see what God is doing. To see what God is doing in this city. To see what God is doing in this church. To see what God is doing in the lives of the people around us. 
Because their breakthrough is our breakthrough. My breakthrough is your breakthrough. When we all experience breakthrough collectively, that is revival. So we need to come into a season where we need to gather with God's people to pray for God's agenda. That's what we're going to do. Do you really want to see breakthrough in your life and in the life of the people around you? Leaders, do we truly desire to see revival in our church? Do we really want to see the Holy Spirit break out on the streets of our cities and people coming to be saved? Do we really want to see God move mightily and powerfully in our families, in our homes, in our schools, in our offices, on our streets, in our campuses, all around us? Then all of us need to come together to pray with God's people for God's agenda. We need to pray for breakthrough together. That's what it means. And that's why we're going to go into the season. That's why we're going to go into the season of praying for revival. That's why we're going to go into the revival nights because that is our opportunity that God has created. God wants us to do this together. You see, God has a great plan for our city. God wants to do things. He's looking for people who will come together to pray and seek His heart on behalf of the city, of the nations, of the church, of the people. He's looking for hearts like that. Second Chronicles says, For the eyes of the Lord range, they run to and fro the earth, searching for those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. He's doing that today. Will you respond to His call? Will we as a church respond to His call? You know what happens in Acts chapter 4, when all God's people gather together to pray not just for themselves, but for God's agenda? 4 verse 31, it says this, after they, the believers came together, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, literally trembling and moving by the power of God. And it says they were filled, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke God's word on the streets boldly in the power of God. And that's why thousands and thousands and thousands of people came to know God. That's why healings and signs and wonders and miracles broke out in the church like never before. It's because God people came together with God's people to pray for God's agenda. Whew, will we do that today, church? You know, God has assigned a special place and power when the church comes together to pray. Would you stand with me where you are now? We're going to get into a season where we're going to pray for breakthroughs for ourselves and trust God for that. We're going to get into a season where we're going to pray for breakthroughs of the other people around us and there's a place for that. We're going to go into a season where we're going to pray for the breakthrough of our church. There's a place for that. We're going to go into a season where we pray for breakthrough in our city and our cities and there's a place for that. But we don't have to wait for September. I say, let it start today. Let it start today. Let it start today. And I feel like God is just stirring in some of us our hearts today. And, and God is drawing you to become part of that army. That, and He wants to enlist you. Your name has been called out. And He's calling you and enlisting you into that army of prayer warriors to come and seek and pray for breakthroughs all around you, for our homes, for your families 
for your loved ones, for your schools, for your campuses, for your offices, for your neighborhood, for your streets, for our church, for your cities. God is enlisting an army. And if God has called you and you wanna respond today, I say come to the front and let's worship the Lord. Let's commit ourselves to the God and say, God, we wanna to respond to you. Let me be part of that army who will pray until kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna get in a time of worship and if that's you and you're committing yourself, leaders, parents, church, if that's you, I want you to come to the front. We're gonna commit ourselves before God to pray in this season. I'm gonna pray and we're getting in a time of worship and you make your way to the front. Father God, we turn our eyes on you. You are a God who can bring revival. You're a God of the nations. You're a God who desires to pour out your healing and pour out your spirit. Did you not pour out your spirit before? Did you not bring revival of days past before? Did you not promise that you will pour out your spirit on all flesh? Will you not do it again, God? Will you not come and inhabit the praises of your people in our churches and in our cities? Will you not show up in powerful ways on our streets, in our schools, in our campuses, in our homes, in our offices? Will you not do it again, God? You are the God of revival and you can make it happen. Oh, our hearts desire for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on church, you make your way to the front as we worship.